Welcome to the Pulse of Boxing, featuring Rob Scott and Samad Hawk. Live interviews, featured stories, art, culture, music, boxing news, and reviews. Powered by the Atlantic City Boxing Hall of Fame. This week's guest, we have Calvin Ford. Welcome, welcome to the Pulse of Boxing, and I'm your man, Rob Scott. Um, still waiting on my uh, partner, Samad Hock, to uh, chime in, but um, this week we have a special, special guest. Uh, we have a longtime trainer of uh, two-division two world champion, um, Giante Tank Davis. Um, I have a Mr. Coach Calvin Ford with us. Uh, uh, thank you for um, coming on our show, Mr. Ford. How, how are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? Glad to be here. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, for weeks, but um, you know, this is our first opportunity to uh, congratulate you on the win. Uh, that picture perfect win, the one that definitely is, I feel is, is one that's um, putting Tank on, on the map. Uh, if he hasn't been on anybody else's map, um, uh, congratulations on that win. Thank you, thank you. Um, we can, I know we can sit and we can talk about Tank um, all night long, and we're going to get into Tank or what have you, but I definitely want to. Shine in on you, uh, Coach Calvin Ford. Who is he, and what he has uh, he been up to in the sense of boxing? I know that you do, you do a lot of stuff in the city of Baltimore, and I know that you have have programs out there. Uh, tell us some um, uh, some of the stuff that you've done that you're doing right now, with, uh, especially with these uh, kids. Well, right now we are trying to get our gym right back open up in Boxing on Pennsylvania Avenue in Baltimore, Maryland, um, Fox and Rex. Um, because we are under the city umbrella, you know, we have to be careful of making sure that none of the, the, the people or the kids um, get ill inside of the building and whatnot. So we have to come up with a program and an um, a action plan on actually how can I be able to get the kids in the gym and keeping them safe at the same time because um, they scattered all over the place right now with nothing to do. And, you know, it was like a safe haven for them of the time that they're in the gym, you know, and then when they get back home, they're exhausted from being in the gym. They go home and get some rest. Um, but right now, a lot of parents is calling me saying that uh, <laughs> their kids are going crazy. You know, they miss the gym. Um, guys that, you know, can't make it to my other gym that I go to. Um, they say, man, they miss their house, they miss their home and whatnot. So, you know, the gym was like a safe haven. It was a time for people to actually, you know, um, get away from the, um, what's going on in their life and whatnot, come to the gym and work some of their frustration off or burn some energy um, to actually, you know, um, feel comfortable about themselves. I know that uh, you've been um, – uh Tanks um, coach um, since he was what seven? Um, that's a long yeah. time. But how long have you um, actually been uh, training? Well, we've been doing this. I've been doing this since um, 1979. 79. 
because we we actually started at um, her run Parks and Recs first. Um, it was another gym in the city, um, Books Before Hooks. Marvin McDowell was the had the youngest uh, boxing team in the city, but before that, we had Operation Champ. You know, before then, uh, where Reggie Gross and Warren Boydley, a friend of mine, that's running the Mac Lewis um, program on the east side. Um, so, me and myself, I got into boxing through Mr. Leon Fitzgerald when I came home from prison doing 10 years with the feds for racketeering conspiracy. And I just had to find a better way of still getting that excitement, but, you know, trying to live a wholesome life and whatnot. So uh, Mr. Leon Fitzgerald said, man, I like you. You know, you, you, the kids like you and whatnot. You know, I was just trying to get the same love that I wanted when I was young to give back to them. Uh, and um, Mr. Leon said to me, he said, man, you got a next a niche for kids and whatnot. You know, I need a guy like you. And the rest was history. Well, uh, it's obvious. You gotta, oh, you're back? Are you here, Samar? Oh, yeah. I'm right here. Can you hear me, gentlemen? Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can hear Coach, Coach, man, first of all, let me say the same thing that Rob said, and I want to thank you from the basement of my heart for, for taking time out your busy schedule to come on this show. And, and as, you, as you speak about the history of how you got started with the kids, how did you get started? Well, I had a friend named... Um, I always, and in the streets, I was known for either kick your head off, whatever, whatever it takes, you know. Um, I, you know I, I, when we was coming up, you had to know how to throw your hands. You know how to throw your hands. You know, he was going to get it. So when yeah. we was coming up, it was all about letting your hands go and whatnot. Um, a friend of mine was Warren, but Reggie Gross, he's doing a life sentence right there. He the one really got me to start boxing. He was watching me when I was over in jail, hitting the bag. And he said, man, you really good with your hands, you know. Reggie Gross, um, called, uh, Mike Tyson, right? Yep. See, that, and that's the funny part about it. Yes, Reggie Gross that brought Mike Tyson. He the one that really guided me to be interested in boxing because I used to kickbox and whatnot. Mm. And in the process of that, when I went to the feds, I met this old coach. He was a, he was, he was a Dominion. And he used to train fighters in the feds, but in the feds, they didn't let you mm. contact, contact with each other, right? But sometimes he used to find a way to let us train. And he taught me a lot of stuff and whatnot. So he said to me when I was locked up during my 10-year uh, sentence, he said, man, you should box. The time I got, I was like in my 30s, you know, and I said, no, nah, be too old. <laughs> um, when I got home, started getting back in society, working and everything. Um, a friend of mine's named Gary, this is how I met Mr. Leon, came to me and was trying to get a job at um, Phillips Food. I was um, the youngest black manager that was working for Phillips Food. And um, he said that they just opened up a gym and her and run when Hassan Rockman won the first title here in Baltimore. We only had four title holders that came out of Baltimore. It was Hassan Rockman, Joe Gantz, um, Vincent Petway, and Javante Davis. They're the only four world champion holders that came from out of Baltimore. So when Rockman left Baltimore, Mel O'Malley was from east to west to south. The only one they got off the ground was the one on the east side. So I wasn't familiar with the um, 
recreation park boxer program, you know. Um, I bought my first house and I was watching my nephew and my son in the basement on the bag, hitting the bag, and my cousin used to box. And I said to him, I said, yo, you taught them anything? He said, no, nah, I didn't teach them anything. And so I went out to try to find a gym to put them in. And the only gym that was working with kids in the city was um, Marvin McDowell, Books Before Books. And so I didn't want to drive from the west side all the way over to the east side, back from the east side to the west side. It has been like too much driving. And so I remember Gary said that they opened up a gym and um, at her and run. And I went there and met Mr. Leon. The rest was history. Wow. Um, I know that, that that a lot of people don't understand how much boxing has saved a lot of fighters uh, over the years from the the streets, if you will. Um, you are right there, um, with these kids. Uh, give us uh, let anybody who don't know let them know the importance of how these programs um, working or, or how they work as far as like getting these kids off the street, doing something better with their lives. Well, I always say how boxing saved kids' lives. You got to remember, I met Reggie Gross. Um, Reggie Gross fought Mike Tyson, you know what I'm saying? And then he's doing a life sentence. I always make the saying, um, if you got one feet in the streets, one feet in the gym, you're not going to be successful. How do I know that? I lost two kids from it. I had a kid named Angelo Ward that fought Terrence Crawford and... Mike, I mean, Danny Garcia gave them both great fights in the amateur. And when they seen me, and the first thing they asked, they said, Coach, I don't remember your name, but I remember your fighter, man. They gave a hell of a fight. And they asked him where he was at. He was six feet under. You know, um, I know it worked. If you hear Javante talk about it, that the gym saved his life. We had kids, one feet in the street, one feet in the gym. Uh, we watched him go to jail. Um, we watched him six feet under, you know, so he been around this situation all his life, seeing kids go to jail, seeing kids get killed, you know, from the streets. Um, I had another kid named Ronald Giz, love him to death, a student. His situation, he wasn't in the streets, but his, he, he would always take up for his sister. And one day a guy seen him, they got in a fight. He knew he wasn't going to beat him with his hands and he stabbed him in his chest. Um, Javante learned from it, get what I'm saying? Because he was doing things in the streets, you know, always helping his buddy out, going to fight and doing things. So them lessons, watching his friends around him that was good boxers in the gym, getting killed, going to jail, made him stay in the gym. Um, another understanding I have when we take these kids to tournament, you got like over um, four to 5,000 kids that's fighters at a boxing tournament, no violence. Mm. These inner city gyms, man, you got coaches in the gym like fathers, or like mothers, or like lawyers, or like doctors, or like uncles. You know, some of the coaches don't get enough credibility of the work that they put in, like some um, coaches that's in high school or in um, colleges, mm, you know. Um, you see that some of the stuff that they do for the kids. I mean, me and my partner, Coach Kenny, and uh, Mr. Wilbur, that's my old head um, <laughs> yeah. that trained them on. Yeah, I always say that. I try to let kids know that <laughs> yeah. I got old heads too, 
you know, I'm 56, but I have an old head that's older than me, been in the game longer than me, that I, I listen to him when he talks to me, um, that we have to start looking at these coaches differently, start putting funding in these programs because the coaches, they come out their pocket. They buy them gloves. They buy them anything and everything that they need to keep them off the street, to keep them in the gym. Um, like USA Boxing, if it wasn't for the coaches, a lot of the kids won't even make it to the tournament, you know. And sometimes they don't have the funds to take them cross country and to take them to these tournaments and all that stuff. And mm. most kids, when you take a kid to a tournament, it normally costs close to $2,000 to take one kid. If you got more than one kid that you're taking cross country, it takes a little bit of money to actually do that. Um, and people don't understand it. I'm one and that's why a lot of coaches love what I'm doing because they watch me do it. They watch me take these kids in buses, in vans, cross countries, and let them know that it changed their life. And Javante is one of the kids that it actually done it for. Let me ask you this, Coach. Based on all these incredible experiences that you've had, do you think it's possible that you could, for lack of better words, create a seminar-type environment to be able to teach your methods to the coaches that are here and as well as the coaches that are up and coming so they can be able to gain access to how you arrived at your success? Well, I mean, everybody in every coach's situation is different. You know, I, I actually lost my family behind it, you know, so sometimes we get so addicted on what we are doing, you know, and certain situations are, are, are different. It can be done. I'm not saying it can't. But the obstacles that a coach had to go through of being a coach, um, I try to tell them it's not a job, it's a lifestyle. You get what I'm saying? You really have to love what you're doing and have a passion of what you're doing. Um, I try to tell some of my kids it's not a it's bigger than boxing, to tell you the truth. What we're doing, what we're doing, coaches, now I'm starting to see a lot of dads is getting involved with their sons, coaching them as boxing. It's bigger than that. It's, it's bigger than boxing because it takes a lot of time and money and it takes your life to really, 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 really put it on the line and get that kid to that level. And the kid had to believe in the process. Um, like if you heard Tank said, he said, I'm going to win and I'm going to lose with my coach. Sometimes today you don't see the same kid with the same coach that he actually learned how to walk. And what I meant by learn how to walk, my old head Will told me that, is how to get in the stand how to throw them first punches, how to move his head. You know, it's a lot of time and effort. It's like a teacher teaching the kid how to do that arithmetic, which, mm -hmm. I mean, you put a lot of time into an individual and the kids makes bad decisions, want to be in the streets, want to do this, want to do that. And then sometimes as coaches, we have to know the, the resources and the results why they're making that decision of going left. You know, um, sometimes we don't understand, he, is he eating at home? Um, is he getting a bruise at home? You know, what's going on with that kid? You know, and so you really have to really put yourself in that life. And the only way you can do that is by being around that kid and that kid trusting you and opening up to you. You know, my, my daughters, I just had my daughters with me last week, all of for the first time, and they in their 30s. I had a chance to have all my kids with me and spend time with, you know, and, and I listen to their stories when they talk to me, like, I miss my dad, because he was always doing what he was doing, but they didn't, 
they they didn't understand that was my way of keeping myself straight, mm-hmm. keeping myself on the straight path, you know, because I was teaching these kids that it's a way out of what they was doing. And Javante Davis is the first that came out of that gym that actually listened to the process. Looking back over the years, Coach, is there anything that you'd have done different? Mm, I can't say that because when I look at it, my Lord put me on a, the right track track to be where I'm at. So I must have been doing the right things, you know. Um, do I regret anything? Um, no, I don't regret. I, you know, I'm still working hard. I still ain't reached my goal of what I'm really trying to do for the city of Baltimore. And, and give us a, a glimpse of what that might be. Well, I'm trying to create, like you saying, a path just for not boxing coaches, but for all coaches to show that they can bring them talents out of these kids to be anything that you want them to do. And I take that concept from uh, Floyd Mayweather and his family, huh. Roy Jones and his dad, the Serena sisters and their dad, Michael Jackson, and his dad, you know, you got to get mm. behind something, and make them stick to it. I don't care what it is. If you get behind them and, and, and look at their talent, they can be a great chess player. They can be an artist. You know, just be supportive and push them. Mm. Now, uh, I, I know that um, I, I mentioned earlier about how, you know, it, it boxing has saved a, a lot of kids. But in, in some cases, boxing can become an actual Band-Aid as opposed to, to an actual healer. Because um, when I say that, I'm saying, like, you, you may – these kids nowadays, there's more, I guess, millionaire young fighters nowadays than, than at any point in time in boxing. And you know how they – you know how they say if you're an idiot, if you're an idiot, uh, a million dollars is only going to make you even more of an idiot. Um I don't know about um, a lot of fighters as far as like being idiots, uh, you know, just internal idiots. But I just know that some who have uh, people behind them, those are the ones that fall out of it. One of the things that drive people back is because of money mismanagement. How, how much how, how do you think that we can um, basically marry the two as far as like a well, fighter? Well, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that. I'm a glad you said fighter. that. Yeah, a great fighter, but also being able to sit there and also be a great person in a sense of like being able to handle his money, being able to do things. Because if you don't handle your money, guess what? You're going to be right back where you started from. Well, can I say that? We have the same problem in basketball, football, and um, basketball. Them same problems, especially with African-Americans. They are not taught these things from the beginning like European kids are. And that's one of the things that that we're trying to do here in my city is put them pools around the kids. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's not going to be a great boxer or world champion or make it to the NFL. But if we take the sports and bring them to the the, 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 the facility and then put them programs in place, teach them how to dress, teach them how to speak, teach them how to fill out applications, teach them the things that they need to survive in society to become a great citizen. And, um, um, for example, Floyd, he talks about it every time. And one day we was actually at the gym in camp. I got to the gym early. He didn't talk about boxing that day to the young fighters. He actually told them about the business side. Hmm. And that's what that, that's what really, really got me. You know what I'm saying? Because it was things that would made him successful and made him where he at today was putting the right people around you to actually hmm. be successful. 
And from us teaching these kids how to be great fighters, great boxers, that same concepts can come from teaching them how to handle their money, teaching them what to do with their money, teach them how to invest their money, you know? And that's what we need to be working on, putting these institutions in place in the, in the city to actually help them achieve the same goal that other successful kids in, in society. Wow, impressive. Oh, yeah, very impressive. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I touch on Tank. Now, you know, he is in a hot, hot division right now. It's blue hot fire when it comes to that division it, it, from my vantage point. And I think that though there are a lot, there's a lot of talent um, in his um, weight range. Um, but the difference is, you know, I can name off names, Ryan Garcia, I can name off uh, a, a lot of them. But the thing is, all those guys are champions in their own right. But within the past month, Tank and Lopez have become stars. They came to that amateur pedigree. You know what I'm saying? Um, you got to remember, his dad been in his life a lot of times. If you look at his, 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 all, his all assets, you know, you see he got emotional about that situation that his coach and his dad, you know what I'm saying? Mm. You know, uh, and I remember the young, I remember the young and then the averages coming up behind us, you know what I'm saying? He hungry just like Javante, you know what I'm saying? They, their path is one and the same but different, you know. Um, if you look at Shakur, Shakur, another kid, all of us came up together, all of them grew up together coming up into that amateur. And I always sit there and say, I always say that's their DNA. You know, mm. that's their DNA. Um, Gary Russell was before that time, you know. When I look at his situation coming up in the amateur, made it to the Olympics, didn't get a chance to conclude it in the, uh, uh, the same way as your amateur career is, the same way your pro career, pro career is going to be. But you got to have a good team around. you got to believe in the process. Well, let me ask you this, Coach. We know sometimes, and, and, and Rob knows he's been around the industry and as well as the art for a very long time, but we also know that sometimes the industry and the art collide. So some become lost in trying to gain access to money. Some become lost in trying to maintain their level of boxing IQ and things of that nature. How did you bridge the gap with Gervonta to navigate his career from the amateurs into the pros at this level? Well, we came out the door teaching them as the professional boxer from the beginning. If you look at Tank, Tank was the difference between all of them. Ron, Ron, Ryan got that piece already. At the end of the day, you got to ask yourself, why would a promoter put me on this car? Y'all um, with me? Yes, absolutely. And you got to remember, the promoter is in business to make money too. Yep. So if you're not mm -hmm. bringing nothing to the table, I'm not going to sign you. If, I, if you don't have that talent, I'm not going to sign you. So in the beginning, at the end of the day, it's still entertainment. It's still like being an actor. You still have to teach the whole – you have to teach the whole fist about it. You know, you have to be a fighter, but at the same time, you still have to be an entertainer, mm -hmm. you know. So in that process with Tank, you see his following. They was like, man, how does young kid have a following that they that he had? If you look mm -hmm. at some of the kids that's in my gym, their followers are big then. It's not outrageous, but if you see a kid he got 3,000 followers and he only 11 years old, that's big right now. 
So if you got me saying, he's 11 years old with 3,000 followers. And I said, they said, okay, how did he get that? And I looked when he started from the witch garden. And I said, they said, Dad, if he get this age, you should have this model follow. If he get this age, you should have this model So we built it him now. Mm. And if you stick with it, he have a chance to become a mega star. Well, I, I, like I said, at this point right now, um, the difference between um, he and Lopez and the rest of them is they're champions and they're known from Boston circles. But I think that um, the rubbers hit the road when it came to Lopez and, and Davis right now with the sky's the, definitely the limit for them. Um, what do you think about the uh, the performance with the, um, last week? Um, uh, uh, what am I talking about? Um, Devin Haney? Devin Haney, there you go. Um, what uh, what do you think about Devin Haney's performance? He he fought um, he fought his opponent thinking that that would that should have been his coming out party as well. It you should know. have been, but Gamble disrespected the crab. Gamble Gamble wasn't even nowhere in shape like he was with with Tank. Am I right or wrong? Y'all watch the fight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you go back and look at Gamble when he fought Tank versus when he fought um, Devin. It wasn't like he was just, man, I'm going to just get a payday. I'm going to keep it real. This is what I've seen as a coach. Um, mm-hmm. Devin did everything what he was supposed to do. He trained hard for it because he knew he was going into a serious situation. He didn't really look at – he looked at Gamble as a threat, you know, that it, he wasn't a duck. Uh, he did what he was supposed to do. But when you see the joker that came to the to the dance and you see how he looked and how his performance, it made his performance look terrible too because – at that time, it was like, man, he supposed to walk right through him. And that was their plan, to fight Gamble, to show to the world that they can do it better than Tank did. You with me? Oh. And then the, 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 it didn't come out the way that they wanted because he, he got bad reviews. He won the fight. He got the W. Thank God he got the W. Cause it would have really looked bad if he'd have lost and Gamble was out of shape. You know what I'm saying? But so it was in survival mode. And it, it, a lot of fighters, when you when they – Go into survival mode. It's hard to look good um, with a fighter like that, especially uh, um, a fighter of Gamboa's, you know, experience. When um, he fought Gamboa, but again, he still ended with a great mm-hmm. end. Yeah. If you look at all this, this the part gets me when they talk about Romchenko. Tank was the youngest. He fought an undefeated champion. Nobody knew Tank and took his belt from. Him. Go back and watch that fight. Pedraza was undefeated. He beat Tevin Farm. You mm. with me? Yeah. So when yeah. you look at him, you sit there and say, Dad, Tank is the real deal. You got um, Lopez fighting the baddest dude that they made in the planet. And I said it when he came on the side when, when uh, uh, Salido beat him. I said, man, he really ain't like that. You know what I'm saying? He switched mm. over from being amateur all his career, great turn pro. I said, they said, he's going to get beat soon as you get in front of the right people. And, mm-hmm. and Shorty was fighting. I kept saying, he's going to beat him. He's going to beat him. And everybody kept looking at me crazy. Mm-hmm. I said, the only thing I'm worrying about is mental. And he came out there and did his thing. But it would have been a better fight if Rainbow Romo would have started early. He started late. But I'm thinking, looking at it as a coach, he didn't want to run into his power. The first couple of rounds, he probably said he was strong and I don't want to go in there because he clipped me. You get what I'm saying? So he stayed right. away. But it was yeah. the wrong decision, and you see what the outcome was because at the late part of the round, Romo was coming on. If you really yeah. watched the fight, he, yeah, was he was coming on. He was. He was coming on, but it was too late to go into a decision when you already gave between four to five rounds up. Bam, done deal. 
So let me just say this. We spoke a few moments ago about the industry and the art having these collisions. And when these collisions happen, situations like that happen. So what is your feelings on having undisputed and unified champions and all the different belts and sanctioning bodies that they have out there that allow these fighters to stay in position the way they do? Well, I, I don't I don't like stepping on the promoter's feet because that's how we eat as coaches and fighters. You know what I'm saying? They did this mm. because they want to hold on to their cash cows. Floyd <laughs> said it. Floyd, Floyd said it the best. He put it out there. That's why I like Floyd, man. You know, he, he wanted them to do it the way how he did it. You know what I'm saying? That's the same thing with basketball and football. They start to water it down. Am I right or wrong? <laughs> Well, but I I know one thing. That, <laughs> well, belt, so I'm one I'm one of those that I feel because you know I work with organizations and uh I I have to say that I don't I never had a problem with the the belts as far as like the certain organizations one two and three and okay now back in the day it was only four belts correct that's fine but when when you're talking about the franchise belt and when you're talking about the super champions I think that's like, the problem it, 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 it ain't it ain't the, it ain't the four main uh, uh associates that hold the belt that the sanction it's not them remember we had four main belts yeah now we got so many different belts it's the same you don't know who's the champ and what a champ is and, and that's the part I'm saying coach this is where the industry steps in and makes the field of play very uneven what do you think we could do to kind of even out the playing field it's nothing that we can do the only person that can really make that change is the i think it's the five main i call it the five horsemen that's the five main uh, promoters okay they're the ones that got to make the changes to tell you the truth because they control boxing you with me i am you know the way how i really want to see boxing i would like to see them five main um horsemen take their fighters and go against each other. Okay. You with me? Yeah. And then it'll make in, in, in every division. In every division. You'll fight your your team against my team. And then boxing become bigger than what? Because it's not organized like we get it don't get the same thing we get with the NFL and the NBA. You know what I'm saying? But when you start talking like that, start like uh promotional companies going against you but promotional company. That's like Golden Boy. They just lost one of their main fighters. Um, Alvarez. They they, they going to hurt from that one. You know? Because that's what it is. If I got a fighter that can hold a company up, they keep them safe. So what do you and think? And there's, there's a good chance. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Samad, but uh, there's, and there's a good chance, you know, my take on Canelo leaving Golden Boy is there's a good chance that Oscar's going to have to be forced to be um, you know, kind of keep a tight rein on like a Ryan Garcia because of the fact of his stable is dwindling down. And that's, uh, that's, I agree with you. And you that's, know, that's you be still make boxing exciting if you stop there, if you sit there and develop the rest of the fighters that you have in the camp. It's yeah. a lot of good fighters, but you got to fight. Fighters got to fight good fighters to be good fighters. Let's look at it. nobody did no Lopez. He beat he beat Romo. Romo supposed to be the baddest man in the Plan. Now he took his. It's like that that movie you used to watch. You cut off the head, you get all their powers. You with me? Yeah. You know. So now he's in a good place. Mm. That's like um when um the two heavyweights Joshua and uh what's his name was supposed to fight and that fight didn't happen. You know. Which, which um Joshua and who coach? Um the heavyweight Dante Wilder. Remember yes, everybody yes, wanted to yes, see that yes. fight. Remember? Yes, then yes. look what happened to Joshua when he fought Louise. 
He lost the belt. That thing went from him. We ain't had nothing up the ball. You know, them fights have to be made when the public want it. Yeah. Well, that's one thing I wanted to touch on as far as like when I said that they're they're stars now, meaning Lopez and uh, Davis are stars now. And so right after that, people are saying, oh, when are they going to get in the ring with each other? I think that it's it's a a bit premature for that because boxing is not only a sport, it's it's also a business. And as far as you have to. I don't look for them to to get in the ring right away because they but they just did two major conferences and they like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, it's coming. I mean, it's coming. It's just, like I said, it's up to the five horsemen to get together, sit in that big room, and hash all this stuff out that we don't get to see behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So now that the, the, the COVID situation has, has leveled the playing field throughout the sport of boxing, uh, what's your feelings on boxing coming back with a fan-based situation, Coach? Man, I, I'm going to tell you the truth. Let it sit me down. And I was actually on both sides because Lorenzo fought on top rank. Okay. The promoters, man, had to spend a lot of money, man, to actually keeping them athletes and everybody that's dealing with the fight safe. Because I always tell Javante this, and that's why he had to do his job. Okay. Millions of dollars are being spent before the fight even actually happened. Mm-hmm. So if I got a main event, and we have been seeing this in some certain sessions, that when you got a main event and the fighter gets sick, the fight can't go on. All the money that the the revenue was put into that fight went down the drain. Now I got to take another fighter to fill that spot. It takes the luxury from it. The fans are upset. The people that spent money is upset. The network is upset. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is very serious right now. When look at the NFL, look at the college football. When mm-hmm. players and coaches get sick, man, I mean, it stops everything. You know, so we really hurting hurting from. This um, pandemic, I don't even call it a pandemic. It's like something out the scripture of the Bible, a plague, because it's hard for them to find uh, 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 um, some type of um, 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 antibody to actually deal with with this disease. You know, with this with it, it's hard. Now, the one thing is, one thing is, you the fights that have been taking place, like naming like Lopez and Lomachenko, that fight was um, held with. You know, a very small venue, very small audience. But you guys, you guys uh, had your fight at a, a bigger venue. Still, not hundreds of thousands of people. Or, uh, but at the same time, you know, you had what, what is it? Ten thousand people that were allowed in. They allowed they allowed us um, eleven thousand people to be in the arena to make sure they stay safe. And we actually got close to ten. We got ten thousand there. Yeah, see, now see that that's something that I, I think that should probably um, uh, come back more as far as like, uh, you know, I guess, yeah, limit the uh, audience. But, you know, audience, uh, I know for a fact that the audience is dying to get back out there. And they died to do something. I'm telling you, because, but at the same time, they, that, they, situation, that situation helped the airline, it helped the hotels, it helped the rent a car. It helped the Uber people. It helped the restaurants because people wanted to come out and enjoy themselves. But that's a regional variation. Would you not agree, Coach? Because but at the same time, we got to keep them safe too, you know, because we don't want to lose lives neither. So, but most of the fights at that level, are, it's a regional variation. Would you say something? I say it's a regional variation. Um, I might have lost audio. Hold on for a minute. No, I can hear you. We can hear you. I think that um, 
it's a regional variation because there are a number of fights going on in in the South, in Florida, South Carolina, uh, and and the areas where there's uh, an environment for that, they can have open air fights, open air fights, which will allow them to have as many as 10,000 people in the event. You're not going to have that happening at the casinos in Connecticut. No, you're not. You're not. You're not. Yeah, and you're right about this. Where they actually have the fights at? What? What city or what place is allowing them to to have that cushion to actually right. do them type of events there? Because some areas not spiking like some areas are. You with me? That be, that region. Let's go back. Let's go back and they sit there and say, "Well, the corona is going to die because of the heat." That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. It's going to get cold there. Now we got the flu season coming. And that's why we're having a lot of spikes there because is it the flu or is it the corona, you know? I think that some people are just um, uncertain. So some areas of the country where the uncertainty is lower, you might see a spike, where some people are much more conscious. I think all those things lend a hand to how people are associating themselves with it. And I think it was a smart move on the industry's part to create the bubble. The bubble might not be the fix-all, but it's certainly slowed down, slowed a few possibilities. I hear rarely have I heard about cases of athletes, maybe more than five or six athletes, being tested positive for COVID before an event. So I think the industry did a great yeah, job that's... in that regard. I agree with you because, man, I should have been a test tube baby, man, because they tested us. <laughs> they tested – well, let me explain to you. Mayweather Promotion tested me – twice a week. Then when I went and took Lorenzo to fight with top rank, as soon as I got to their facility, went in their facility, before I could lay my head down, they swabbed me. When I got up that morning, they let me know my results. You know, um, Mayweather Promotions took by anybody, you know, because I, you know, I actually got sick before, before I went to camp. I thought I wasn't going to be able to be in camp with Tank, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I had to, that's why I say it's very serious because I went to a fight in Valencia with Lorenzo and got sick on the plane in the beginning stage. You know, I was all right. I didn't have no bad symptoms because I work out. I just couldn't shake a fever. I had a fever that I just couldn't shake. You know, I didn't have a cough. My chest didn't hurt. I still was doing my push-ups. I still can run. I still can do certain stuff, but I just couldn't couldn't shake the fever. And then when I sit down and talk to other people that actually caught it too, their symptoms was different. You know, I mean, Every everybody's symptom was the same, you know. Some people don't even have any symptoms. Like a friend of mine, he never had it, he said, but he got the antibody. And we was trying to figure that one out. He said he never was sick. Huh. I think that's another part of that uncertainty issue because if the person who is not who's asymptomatic can still transfer it but yet not have symptoms, that's uh that's a little unnerving because you really never know. Yep. Well, Ryan, Ryan Garcia is um, fighting on because of his own testing positive. I mean, it's and it's going to it's going to continue to happen. Um, but uh, I see here in Atlantic City, we're dying to get the doors back open so we can see um, how it turns out here as well. Um, but Ryan Garcia was one of the guys that um, that we were looking for Tank to be in there with. It within his next um, one and two fights. Um, but now it's, it's delayed. Um, what are, your, what are your, your plans now? I know you don't want to ask. The fight, his last fight just ended. 
and you you gotta take some time to get your, your thoughts together. But right now, who you, would you like to see him in the ring with uh, next um, to keep on that course? Let, let, let me let me explain. Let, this I, this is what I do. If it doesn't make dollar sense, it doesn't make sense. I, I, if you listen to all my interviews, that's what I say. Yeah, and another yeah. thing about me, I do not get in Floyd way or our way. Huh. Once the contract comes past our table, and this is who we fighting. It's a hit. That's how we carry. It. Hmm. We don't call nobody out. We don't ask. You know what I'm saying we do what we supposed to do. That's the way we 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 train, put our best sense on, make sure we be the best guy to show up that night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, well, with your division being so so packed. I mean, like I said, I'm up a, a bunch of names, but let's just say hypothetically we had a a a lightweight uh, uh, junior lightweight. I know you're going to say that Tank is going to be in that ring in that final bout, but who who's his opponent? I just said again, it's about the dollars. Cause this is how I look at it. A fighter go out and put his life on the line. One punch can change your life. You with yeah. me? No, um, when, we look, when we look at when we look at everybody's oh tank switch gloves. If you know anything about championship fights, you get two pair of gloves. Yeah. In a sense, if tank would have hit him with them grant gloves on, I don't know what what how how the punch he would have choked the punch with the grant gloves on versus the winter gloves. You with me? Yes. So what I'm trying to say, yeah, what I'm trying to say for that man, what's I was going to make the fighter feel comfortable going in the fight for us financially, you understand? And he take mm-hmm. the fight. That's the best fight for that fight. Well, but I'm speaking more from a competitive standpoint. Um, basically, I guess uh, the question I'm asking you is, out of uh, Tank's uh, future opponent, prospective opponent, who do you see being given him his toughest test? Well, it's based on who want to take the fight from Tank and huh. what amount of money do they want yeah. to take. I just keep it real. Tevin Farmer was in a situation to fight Tank, and they get they offer him a nice piece of money. Ain't nobody giving away no million dollars. You know what I'm saying? And he chose to fight. Um, uh, what's his name? Damn, I forgot his name. Tevin Farmer lost to him, and he lost his belt to him, and he could have had a bigger payday. You with me? No, I feel you. So I'm saying he lost on both. He lost on both sides. When he could have took Fort Tank, that the fight that both of them built, to tell you the truth, you get what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and got a bigger payday. Mm-hmm. Now he's yeah. out the equation. Then. You you think that fight? And might he worked hard to get in that position, huh? You think that fight might come back around? No, because he's not in the equation no more. He lost his huh. belt. Everything yeah. that Tank asked him to do, the boy did it. You with huh. me? Yeah, and when he fought, what's his name for his belt and lost his belt, it took him out the equation. You with me? Yeah. I am. So now the way how I look at it, Joker's this champion should be fighting champ, but that's what's going to bring the money to the table. Well, they say eagles don't fly with pigeons, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. <laughs> well, coach, um, I know that I know that Tank, you know, Tank has he lost his belt on on the scale. Uh, during one fight, um, like, look, uh, listen to what you just say. He lost his belt on the what on scale? The, yeah, nobody but, didn't beat him. No, my, but my point, my question to you is this: um, at his height and his his build, 
how far do you see him going up before it's all said and done? Man, if Tank put his mind to it and do what he's supposed to do, he could float around 30, 35, bottom line. And if he would have did this earlier and stay focused on his weight and did what he's supposed to do, he could have fought 26 and 30. But now he's at he's past that weight now. He got to fight between 30 and um 35. As he get older, then he can go from 35 to 40. Don't know how his power going to translate, you with me, but at the skill level, he can handle himself. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this, Coach. Uh, uh, let me go backwards to go forwards. You've had a lot of opportunities to go with any any anybody in the industry that you wanted, I'm sure. What made you finally decide to go with Floyd Mayweather? It was the right fit, to tell you the truth, because when you look at Tank, is Tank manager is Al Heyman, bottom line. Okay. He couldn't go to Golden Boy on the poster side. He couldn't go to... Um, Greg Coleman, they was, I'm naming names that was out there was promoters that mm. was promoting at the time. He couldn't okay. go to um, he couldn't go, the, the zone wasn't even on the scene at the time, you know. He, they came in after when Tank was making this move to go with Floyd. Who else was there? It was, it was Golden Boy and he couldn't go to top ranks because they was basically messing with more um, um, Latino fighters then. You with me? I am. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, you know the best fit was the best the best fit was Floyd, and then hmm. we had a, a history with Floyd because Floyd Tank we my first time coming coming into um and come you know with Floyd and the family maybe with the family when I met his dad you know what I'm saying and um at the powers Floyd dad said dad said to me when Tank won the powers him and um another kid named um. Ramos, um, Kareem Martin, Floyd Dad sit down and watched tape, went through the whole tournament, got up, shook my hand, and said, man, that's a bad kid. It was them two, <laughs> Kareem Martin and Javante Davis. And then Tank went to uh, D.C., and he met Floyd, and Floyd signed his phone, next champion, on his phone. Did you hear me? You hear what yes, I'm saying? Absolutely, we hear you. <laughs> signed his phone. That was like when he was fighting Madonna's. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And then, um, one year, I took Tank to Broner's house. I, I was going to a tournament. I was going to a tournament, and I knew he liked it, Broner. I sent Tank to Broner. Tank stayed down with Broner camp and everything. He tried to run away from home. But, um, but so far, my man, Mike Staff, is yo, don't mess with Coach. Man. That nigga crazy. Give his kids back to him. He'd be better be more careful, huh? <laughs> yeah, so we gave his kid, you know. And um, that's how tight. Rona and Tank came. And one day Tank and Rona went down um Floyd Gym and the rest was history. Wow. Well, it seems like what you said is is incredibly true. The energy is superb and uh it's obviously that he's on the right track at the next level of greatness and uh you certainly have provided him that particular space and the continuity between you is something to marvel at, coach. I salute you. I want to thank you. Thank you. Yes, it's an it's an incredible incredible feat, you know. And we know that there's probably who knows what the next levels are going to be, but we are pregnant with possibilities. And I'm just looking forward to the future of of what you're going to do next. Well, just keep working hard, man, and keep my feet under my keep just keep my feet to the ground, you know. Keep my feet yeah. to the ground because sometimes you can get overwhelmed and really forget the real purpose of this, you know. And the real purpose of this man is hoping that I can keep changing lives before I leave this world. 
Well, you've obviously been a success at doing that thus far, and I can't imagine that being derailed by anything or anyone. Well, and that's going to be hard, that's going to be hard to be the person that he has with him. Uh, Javante is a very talented fighter, and um, uh, the bottom line is he's definitely the future of boxing. You know, oh, Floyd said it. Yeah, <laughs> Floyd yeah. said it. And coach, before you go, I wanted to say to you that I, you know, back in what they call the day, on my days uh, in Baltimore, there was a young man you might know. His name was Leroy Taylor. Do you know Leroy Taylor? Yeah, I remember Leroy yeah, Taylor. Yeah, yeah. He was, a, he was, he was the baddest kickboxing round. Actually, yes, I came sir. up with the same school of thought that they came out. That uh, was a bad man. Ain't no question oh, about that. Yes, sir. We used to run together back in the day. <laughs> Yeah, Leroy, Leroy was a bad man. He'd kick your head off, break you up, chop you up, and everything. And he was um, very, he was very quiet with it, right? Very quiet. <laughs> um, Leroy Taylor, and you got the Hawkins family. Yeah, remember the Hawkins family? Ab absolutely. Right? I, yeah, I, yeah. I, they, they, that's why the days. That's why them days you had to do how to throw your hand. I don't care right. where you the draws. I don't care who it was. You had to know how to throw your hand. We used to sit in front that's of Shabazz. Talk. We used to sit in front of Shabazz down on North Avenue, man. You know, and that's what we used to. And you just took me way back with that yeah, one, man. I'm trying to <laughs> tell you, you way back with that. One. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I was We want to. We want to make certain that uh, we we spend an enormous amount of time thanking you. And I know my partner Rob. We certainly appreciate you taking the time to do this, and that that we've been powered. The pulse of boxing has has allowed us to have an opportunity to sit down and talk with the great ones like yourself. So thank you so very, very much. I appreciate you. Thank you, too. You have a great yes. night. Likewise, Coach. That's the rock in the future. Thank you. Keep in your prayers. That's what I'm asking for. Oh, no I know, doubt. I know one thing, Coach, that the universal God has a blessing with your name on it, man. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. I hope so. I'm just, I'm just trying to correct my wrongs before I happen to leave this world. Yes. Well, peace and blessings, and we'll stay in touch. Thank you. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you again. Right. Have a good one, Coach. You too. Great, great talk with uh, Coach Calvin Ford. Um, Samad, you still there? Great talk with uh, Coach Calvin Ford. Um, very informative uh, conversation that we had. Uh, he's the coach of Javante Davis. Uh, Tank Davis is one of the pound for pound, one of the best fighters in the world. And he's a pound for pound coach uh, in Calvin Ford. Um, I, I want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in and tuning every week. We, we got powerhouse guests every week. We're going to um, throw something else at you. Uh, uh, for my partner, Jamad Hawk. my name is Rob Scott. This is the Pulse of Boxing, powered by the Atlantic City Boxing Hall of Fame. Definitely um, tune in or log in to our, our uh, Facebook post, our uh, YouTube, uh, ACB, HOF, um, Twitter feed. Um, definitely reach out, look out, because we've got a lot coming, all right? Pulse of Boxing, Rob Scott, Samad Hawk, every Wednesday, 7 o'clock. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Mike. Well done.
Great show, Rob Scott. Great show.